Hello and welcome to Open All Ours. Um, I'm David Fraser. We unusual podcast this evening because um, we are recording this for the first time after nine years and about 300 plus episodes. We've never recorded one straight after a game and it's currently 8.38 on Wednesday evening. The Wigan game finished about, I don't know, 35 minutes ago and we've got straight on to record a podcast. So it could all go horribly wrong, or after that result, horribly wronger. Um, but before we get into that, let me introduce everyone here. So we have poised, ready to go, wound up tightly, taking a slug on his cider. We have Paul Finney. Have you seen me saying post? He's holding up a post saying, I assume it says Loftus Road, West 12. I can only see the West 12 bit. It is. Yes, I'm all right. And it's gluten-free beer, actually, but thank you. Very good. Very good. Um, uh, Welcome, Finney. Good to see you. We also have, after three weeks out of action, maybe, um, but with a post-lockdown haircut, Chris Charles. Hi, how are you doing? Very good, Chris. Very (laughs) good. And and coming back, um, I don't know, second, third appearance... Fourth, actually. Fourth appearance. Fourth appearance. Uh, We're joined by Alan Charles. Without Um, a post-lockdown haircut. (laughs) With another post-lockdown haircut. I'm going to be honest with you, Alan. Your hair looks better like that. You're right. (laughs) Honestly, your hair looks... Yeah, you look... look, It takes years off you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Are you a natural blonde or...? No. (laughs) I don't know. It was it was always ginger, so I don't know what's happened. <laughs> um, right, we will get on to what's just happened, the Wigan game, and before that, the Middlesbrough game and everything else. Um, but remarkably, we still have people supporting us. Um, and we have a sponsor for the podcast tonight who has bought the beers, so... I don't know. I don't know what Chris and Alan are sat there with, um, but hopefully you're sat there. You probably need a coffee after that performance. I, you have a red stripe, Chris. I have a red stripe. Yay. There you go. I have a peroni. You have a peroni, and I think Alan had a, a tea or coffee of some description. Something very good. Um, so this was uh, Warren Ringham, and he says in his email. To be honest, I'm not too worried about a shout-out. Too late for that, Warren. Uh, I just want to support you guys. The podcast is brilliant and really helps keep me in touch. It's really, really helped me during lockdown too, so thanks to all. Thank you, Warren. Warren is the guy who plays the last post, by the way, for the on Remembrance. Yes. Oh, excellent. Been on the podcast as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's been on, yeah. Yeah, and he has been on. Well, as well as buying the beers, great effort to deliver them round to four separate houses. Amazing. So, well done, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, who wants to start with the most recent performance that was this evening? Uh, <laughs> Finney, Finney. Uh, everything that was on. good about Saturday wasn't so good tonight, and um, you know it's it's kind of I suppose football takes a second seat when you see what state Wigan are in. I can't really get my head around it. What's going on up there? Red lives, pace a couple of times. Red. 
place of football stuff that just seems an absolute farce what's happening at Wigan so their players are obviously going to be motivated because they're playing for everything including their community and we a bit worried about Ote not going to lie I uh, feel sorry for him it's a lot on his shoulders playing that lone striker role but Manning was good Lumley's been excellent for the two games he's been in um, Kaka has just been amazing he's, he's been like a new player and I think that's the positive. The, the disappointment of tonight is that we didn't really create any chances and the goalkeeper, again, didn't have much to do. Um, it seems to me, I don't know what you guys think, when, when our system works, it's brilliant. And when it doesn't work, it's not so good. And I don't know if that's the most obvious thing. We're actually playing today, really. If anyone can enlighten me, it seemed like a 3-2-3-3 three, two, three, three, or I don't know, I don't know, 3-2-3 three, two, two, three, or I don't know. Three at the back, was it? It was three three at the back with wing-backs to begin with. Um, it was supposed to be 3-5-2, I think. And then they went to four, uh, yeah. Four something. Well, I, I think the issue. I think the issue is that they didn't, they, they didn't, keep any um, sort of consistent um, shape, did they? That's They kept trying to adjust to what Wigan were pressing them with. Yeah. And to be fair, we, I mean, I was actually thought Wigan had some decent players, actually, don't you thought, but the guy that put the ball away, he, he, he looks decent, looks a handful, you know, defensively mm. they were quite sound. They they weren't giving much away. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just one of them games, isn't it, where we're just, if being honest with you, do we want the season just to filter out and just end now we're safe and we're not going to go down we're never going to make the playoffs anyway so but well, I mean, it's like you just you know you just said about Ote and yeah feel sorry but it's clearly I mean it's a game guy who couldn't really get much of a look in at Bradford so I, I, I really can't see him being here much longer which is a shame for him and I do hope he finds his level um, I, I just think that that system without a focal point for the attack like a Hugill um um, or a Naki before him, um, it, it doesn't just doesn't seem to go anywhere. Andy Sinton sort of said it a few times in uh, his commentary. I think his commentary is very good, by the way. And yeah, he, um, yeah, basically saying we 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 pass it around a lot, we keep possession, but it doesn't really go anywhere, you know. And that's I, I thought there was a brief spell ten minutes into the second half. Um, we finally started to sort of let ourselves go a bit. Um, it's a good save from chair after good work by Shadipo. Um, but all in all, it, that malaise that was there for the first three games seemed to sort of have returned. We we, 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 it seems like we can't change gear. So lots of possession. Um, but then when you need to press, when you need to speed up a bit, we just can't do it or don't want to. Uh, so, so Finney, uh, something you said I thought was interesting. You, you said you felt a bit sorry for, yeah. or you were worried about Ote, um, yeah, yeah, being there on his own. But, and that's because of his inexperience, because he's got a lot on his shoulders, and because he's being yeah. trusted with a lot. Are we? Do we? Do we need a bit of perspective about how inexperienced this team is? Because I've never yeah. really yeah. thought about it. But when you look at it. I think you can say now Lumley is experienced and Barbe has experience and Manning, I think, has played 100 odd games and, of course, Cameron. Mm-hmm. But after that, after that, Kane. Well, well Cameron's experienced. Not, not a great deal of it. Yeah, Cameron, not a lot of experience. Kane's experience. Kakai, not a lot of experience. No. Ball, Ote, even Chair. Well, okay, he's had a season. But we've got to you, you actually think about 
that team and how much championship, how many championship games they've got under their belt. We're we're expecting a lot of of them, and or, or given, conversely, conversely, yeah. look at the experienced players and the mistakes that are made throughout the games. They mainly come from Cameron and the other experienced players. Barbe, and that's also true. Barbe, yeah. I, I agree with the not getting carried away with Kakai either way. Um, I think he also made some mistakes today as well. But then I don't think he's... What's he played? Half a dozen championship games? Ote's played half a dozen championship games. It's yeah. We've got 53 points. We have. If we get one more point, that's our most successful season for five years. Yeah, I mean that's fifteen, sixteen. We got we got sixty points, but we've already got more points than last year. We we it's it's in a. I know it's, this is frustrating, but actually, what this team has achieved is is pretty remarkable given all the circumstances, isn't it? I think what great for me is that we, you know, we we were a win against Brentford, along going second one stage. Um, great for me that we had to let Naki go. I know that's, that's you know, that was, a, you know, because of the financial stuff. I just think, uh, um, although we went on a good run after we did go, I think him and Hugo were playing well off each other. I, I think it's been a frustrating season. It's promised so much, and I totally agree, inexperience. And the old classic, if you'd offered me this at the, at the start of the season, I would have bitten your hand off. But I, I think it's the fact that as a football fan, you're either looking up the table thinking, if we just win those three games, we can get within two points of the playoffs. Yeah. Or, or you're looking down the bottom. And I think going into the break, we played so well, um, the unenforced break, I should say. And and I was thinking, you know, basically if we had won those first three games, which were eminently winnable, if we'd been in the same form as before, then we'd be two points off the playoffs with the game in hand. I know it's ifs, buts and probabilities, but I think for me, yeah, it's been frustrating. I think the thing is, David's got a really good point, though, and it's something that fails to hit me in the head sometimes. Where we have done better, there's massive positives in some of the youngsters coming through. Um, the Clark thing frustrates the hell out of me because if you talk about experience as someone who can come on and change a game, you'd like to think it was him. Otherwise, it seems like a wasted loan. Uh, there's just a few things that haven't gone right. As I said the other week, and I stand by the transfer policy has been very hit and miss. Um, in some ways, but you know, we are a club in transition, and we will be in transition for the next three or four seasons. Again, this is you know, once all the loan players go back and we release players, a bit of another 13 14 changes probably for next season to have a decent squad, depending on what happens next season. So, yeah, we just need to, I guess, remember that. I just I just feel frustrated because, it, as Chris says, there's it was, it was a stage we actually thought we, we were playing really good football, we we're doing things, football's been much better, but. When we're good, it's absolutely amazing. And when we're not so good, we, we seem to not, as Alan says, be able to put that gear up into place. And then when we're chasing games, we're not we're not in it, basically, which is something that we can work on and improve on. But maybe it's just the case of getting through the season now. And then, but I don't want this next season. I mean, this all watching games on your bloody phone or your laptop or whatever, and with empty stadiums, it's just in my head. But then you've also got to think, like I keep saying, the poor old Wiggins, they're in and how many, you know, the reality is, guys, if we come out of this with a football club, that's success. However, that sounds, and that's the Colin Stoll reality. What's happened to Wigan is, is going to happen to 10 or 11 more clubs during the process of this 
after lockdown. It just worries me what's going to happen to a lot of football because we're not the only one. I mean, the whole Wigan ownership thing is just incredible. I mean, and for the Football League to find them points when they okayed all this is an absolute nonsense. And there should be resignations. This is another club that's happened to, and it's happened to way too many in the Football League. Just wash your hands of them. And the people who suffer are the fans. And I feel bloody sorry for Wigan. They don't deserve this. And it's it's it, 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 it's happened to us, let's be honest, that we've been left to go out with buckets, pick the pieces up, because the Football League are a bunch of arseholes and, and don't understand what the hell they're doing. Chris. Sorry. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I was reading through this again, like you said, Clive should, but it's a shame Clive, Clive isn't on in a way because I'm sure you'd have made a good old-fashioned Clive rant about this. But um, the piece he wrote, which I think was um, in part based on an article in The Athletic, from what I can gather, they've had two lots of uh, owners who were essentially the same bloke was the top dog for each mm. person um, because they thought they were buying a former Premier League club who were going to get promoted back to the Premier League. Then when they saw what, what a bad run it was and they looked, looked like they're heading down, um, they, they basically, uh, it was a betting company, all this is alleged, obviously, that, that, that's on the front of the shirts, the betting company they own. They then bet huge bets against Wigan going down. Then Wigan suddenly recover of this brilliant run and they're thinking, oh, my God, so we're going to lose the money. So then they put them in administration knowing they're going to get 12 points. I mean, it took 12 points. I mean, if that is actually true or any of that's true, then it's absolute scandal. I think even if it's not true, there's another scandal because that that's a rumour and that may or may not be true. But what is true is apparently Wigan are a very well-run club. The administrator, who's been done a lot of TV interviews, is said he's mystified why they've been put into administration because that there's no reason why they should be. So even if that bet's not true, what it does look like is just this owner's kind of given up and lost interest and doesn't want to continue investing any money, having only taken over six weeks ago. So even if the kind of really bad story and really bad rumour about a bet isn't true, you've still got an owner that is completely unfit for purpose and has no intention of supporting a community football club that they've just bought. So I I don't think that's any better, to be honest. They, They shouldn't be where they are. What I think will probably be hilarious is Wigan will now, the players will probably really fight and pick up enough points so they can't get relegated. They'll, you know, they'll probably end up being more than 12 points above the relegation uh, and kind of snooker the owners, even if, if that rumour is true. Well, that's the only positive to take from tonight. And that's how I consoled Nancy, who um, I've always, you know, I have to be the, the, the grown up at some point and um, say, oh, it doesn't matter. And I've said that for, Three games out of four since the lockdown. Um, and I four out of five, I think. Oh, is it? Oh, God. Yeah, is it? Count. yeah, probably. probably. Just, just, just continuing that point, though, um, and, and, and not, wish, not wishing to um, bring doom and despondency upon myself, it does sort of show how reasonable our owners have been. So they're still making investments, um, training ground, etc. And, you know, it's a discussion for a, probably another day but they're putting money into the club at their own risk. Um, And also the other thing that we need to consider is all of these rules that the Football League, the Premier League, et cetera, put in place in any other business, they're anti-competitive and they would be charged under all sorts of um, legislation um, for the things that they do. Totally anti-competitive. If I want to waste all my money on QPR, why can't I? Well, you would be. 
Well, I would, but, <laughs> you know. But no, but I heard the administrator on last night, um, Alan. It was very strange. And there's like even like a, a missing twenty four million pounds of stuff and things like this here, where they're, they're, they're supposed to be paired between the owners and they're saying, "Well, we paid it, nation will put them free." So the administrator saying like he wants to just go on the record and say this is a bunch of absolute shite bags. I don't know how they got in this position. The football league needs to take a look at themselves and and sort it out because it's going to happen everywhere. I mean, Barry was a warning sign, but there's bigger clubs. I mean, I just read the Sheffield United have mortgaged the ground, and you're thinking, how did that happen? You know, they've gone to the Premier League at the mortgage no ground and they've just been sold again to another hedge fund type thing. You know, the football league are gonna to have to get their arse in the gear pretty quickly and the Premier League to look at this because the way it's gone, these clubs and these communities are gonna to be torn apart just because people wanna put bets on. Well, uh, I think yeah. I think Alan uh, Finney, by the way, you could do a speaking a bit closer to the microphone if that's possible. I do beg I think, your pardon. You know, I think Alan's point is a good one and uh I know we're always accused of being a mouthpiece of the club and all the rest of it, but I think after eight years, we could probably say that it's fair to make the assumption that our owners have good intentions. Well, they're not in it for the frigging money, that's for sure. They they get a lot wrong, um, and they've made a lot of mistakes, but I don't think they're here to turn a quick buck, because if they are, they've A, been here far too long, be invested in the wrong thing and see need to go somewhere else to try and do it because it's not working. But, that, but also, David, it gives you the worrying sign of whatever you think of Fernandez and everyone else and all this malarkey of how mistakes have made and how it hasn't come off and waste all that money. If they go like Charlton and Wigan and Berry, these people are waiting in the wings to totally destroy you and put you into oblivion. That yeah. that worries me. So well, I think Fernand uh, I think Fernando's probably has lost interest, hasn't he? But for someone who's lost interest, he's still hanging in there and isn't, you know, is not flipping his his investment to other people like that. I think I think we should be probably be grateful for the fact that the people that are running the club are getting a lot of things wrong but probably trying their best and and actually that we're all quite big admirers of Lee Hoos. Do you know what I'm going to be grateful, David? I'll tell you what I'd be grateful. I'm going to be grateful when we're West London Derby. I'm going to be grateful we knock Chelsea at the cup. I'm going to be grateful we beat Fulham. I'm going to be grateful we get a 25-season striker. So I'm going to spend a lot of time... You won't be grateful when any of those things happen. (laughs) Yeah, I probably won't. No, but you're right. I mean, mean, only QPR could have owners in this day and age where everything's gone wrong who have spent too much and we're still crap in some ways. <laughs> but off the pitch, we are pretty damn amazing. And that's that's what makes me proud. There's some things I'll come on to later on and talk about. But yeah, you know, the, the club's going in the right direction. No, we keep saying that. Everyone goes, oh, we haven't won this, we haven't won that. But we are going in the right direction. Once we sort the recruitment out and, and get ourselves sorted, because I suppose the offshot of it was after relegation for the Premiership, it was always going to take four or five seasons to get rid of the dead wood and the, get the wage bill down and everything else. Once we get that wage bill down, and then we can get proper recruitment done. We can then judge the players, I guess. Because the most important thing is that we, we don't end up like a Wigan. Vinny, you mentioned Brentford there. Um, are you are you the same as me, hoping against hope they don't go up? Or are you like other people saying they don't care either way? I'm absolutely devastated. I'm pleased for a mate of mine who's had a horrible year. His dad died and stuff like that. He's a big Brentford fan. I'm pleased for him. But I'm absolutely devastated that them gobshites are going up. Um, and they've got a load of over us. And they'll pick up a whole load of new fans in the new shiny stadium. And But, you know, will they stay with them? Who knows? But, yeah, I, 
you know, but you, you hats off to them. If you, you can't, you, you can't take back what they've done. It's, a, it's a, the journey's been amazing. The, the, the profitable. Just be happy for them, Finney. I'm not happy for anyone. What are you talking about? What? Why should I be happy? Just for live them? and let live, Finney. You're supposedly some sort of pacifist socialist, aren't you? Just, just live and let live. Good luck, Hang on a wee second. Hang on a wee second. I can, I can see David visibly winding that screw there. I, 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 I've never been called pacifistic in my life, I'll take it. Um, I'm a bad-tempered Irish man, and I'm leaving it there. And uh, Finney, I've got yeah. something to ask you. You tweeted something earlier about people that support more than one football club. And, no. And I'm sure you did. You tweeted... No, I tweeted about, about the, the guy from Matt. You're going to bring up Glenn Thorne, aren't you? Um, yeah. Okay, that's fine. Most people, you know, when you grew up in, in, in Northern Ireland or Ireland or whatever, you, you would go and watch local football because we didn't have EasyJet. We couldn't get over here to watch QPR or whatever. So I used to go and watch my local team, which was Glen Torn. And I've still got an interest in them. And I still watch them. And my main team is Queen's Park Rangers, and I always will be. So stick that in your paper. Going back, my feat was that the, there's Matt Dickinson, I believe, wasn't it? Wrote the yeah, Times. The Times, yeah. Changing clubs. But it was not for him. He wouldn't do it, but he can see why someone would change from Brent, from QPR to Brentford. Whereas my reality is, and your reality is, and we have a certain age group, let's face it, that would never do that in a million years. So I can't comprehend anyone who would do that. Because we, we're not, are we not the sort of religion that would take converts, though? Sure, surely we are. Yeah, but you, it depends. I don't think I'd respect anyone who came in later life, who, you know, up until a, a certain age in life, you're a grown man to change football teams to me is pretty rubbish, to be fair, a woman to change he, football teams. He's t- telling his kids, that, giving them the reasons why they should support Brentford instead of QPR next season. Yeah, but he's, he's, let, he's letting them make the choice, isn't he? He's saying to them, this is what, you know, shiny new stadium maybe Premiership, QPR, all we've got is a lovely Lebanese place we go for something to eat, but that's for me. Whereas I would look at my... Oh, did he? Okay, I, I, I'll, take that, I'll take that back. No, I think that's a general idea, but he said we should, it should be frowned upon if people do change clubs. Whereas, um, yeah. Um, no, it definitely should be frowned upon. I think so. But it's it should okay be frowned upon if anyone going out the door. But if anyone comes to QPR and says, I'm no. disillusioned with Man United, why not? We've got it's so many fans that we don't want more. I mean, to be fair, I, I don't know how I'd feel if I was on a train away game and someone goes, oh, no, my name's Jack. I've had a marvellous season. This is much better than what's in Chelsea. I don't know what I'd say. Probably feck off. Um, you know, but they're not proper fans. Any, 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 you can't change horses midstream. Anyone who goes from any club to another club is not a proper fan of that second club. I mean, it's like Phil Collins back in the day and bloody Kid Jensen who went to Crystal Palace. Oh. One of the younger viewers. Uh, but, but Chris, so I, I have I, I I have supported QPR and 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 only QPR. Maybe a, maybe a brief flirtation when I was six or seven years old well, with fun. another big team, but we won't talk about that. But but Chelsea. No. No. <laughs> no. 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 It wouldn't surprise me, Chris. Um, I that one. Sorry. Nothing, carry on. Can son. you not? What if you see the light, though? Why what? are you pushing people away who see the light? What do you mean, see the light? People who become enlightened later in life and then say they want to support QPR. What's your problem with it? I think, if, as I say, if, you, if, you're, if you're like a teenager, <laughs> up until a teenager who doesn't really go and maybe watches it on TV and has an armchair interest in a club, then comes down and sees some real football, makes friends, enjoys themselves, whatever, and sees misery and pain and love in the same hoops. 
that's fine. But if they've been watching someone home and away for 20 years and suddenly stopped watching Rangers, to me, that's a bit weird. Like all them lifelong MK Dons fans, where the hell did they come from? You know, it's, it's they're fans, not supporters. You might need to get over that one, Finney. It's been about twenty years. Don't care. I haven't got over Luton Pictures, and I haven't got over Oxford yet, and I haven't got over Tottenham. So I can take as long as I want. Thank you very much, Alan. What do you think? Um, well, no, I, I, I just don't understand how you would ever change a club. So my grandfather first went in nineteen oh four. Um, the dad of my uncle went in 1935, 1937. It's been in the family forever. Only one person from my family has not been a Rangers fan. my son, who once came home with Liverpool laces in his shoes that he got at school, and I had to get the police round to sort that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's pretty uh, happy at the moment. So at least there's been some joy in your household. Well, last maybe, week. Yeah. Yeah. Would you change teams, David? No. Well, there you go then. I, no. I, I, think, I think what you said about the teenagers is wrong as well. I think seven is probably the cutoff point when you can change teams personally. Maybe eight. <laughs> I, think, I, I, I tell you what. I tell you what's really good round my way. So I live in Twickenham, in um, some would say southwest London, some would say west London. Um, uh, what is actually quite good is the number of little kids that are in the park at the moment playing football, and because there hasn't been much. Um, you know, proper club activity there. The number of Rangers shirts, Brentford shirts, Fulham shirts you see is actually really good. And I, I don't begrudge any of the others that aren't wearing the Rangers one, but it is lots of little kids wearing what are our local team shirts, and that's really good. Okay, that's a fair point. But going back to that Dickinson thing, I think, as I understand it, if, would you change teams? The answer is no. And don't be using Glen Torn as an example, dear, because when I went to see Glen Torn, I was five years of age and I didn't know then. I'd be living in West London and London and watching QPR regularly. Doesn't our good friend Steve Sace support QPR having come from Hereford and supported Hereford, Finney? And he is an extremely dedicated and welcome QPR fan. Am I not wrong? You're not wrong, but he can speak for him bloody self in that one. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not listen. I'm not putting words. I, I'm making. I'm making the point. It's not for you it's, or me. But if someone wants to support QPR, we haven't got so many fans that. But we there's support. a lot of QPR fans, David, who support Wheelstone and Hendon and yeah. Wembley and various other non-league teams who you know, perhaps can't afford to go to Rangers as often as they would do. So to get the football fixed, they're going towards non-league sides. And I kind of, I, I don't really have a massive issue with that so much as changing to another league side. I, I don't think any, I think if you're talking about someone else who has a, a sideline supporting one of the big six teams, that, that's a bit much. But if someone has a a, a, a like a liking for like a lower league club or whatever, then I think that's different. Can have I too think... many problems. I think you saw when we were in the Premier League last time, or you know, and we, you know, we definitely, there was definitely a few more people showing up, and there was, you know, uh, okay, a lot of them would have been there to see Liverpool or Man United and Parky Sung and all the rest of it. But as soon as we were out of the Premier League, they all disappeared again, and you know, maybe that's what will happen to Brentford if they go up. But one question on that before we, we, we leave this. Um, by the way, Chris, we need to talk about Middlesbrough, which we haven't yes. done. By the way, Chris, I was 12 when I supported QPR. Is that all right? All right, then. Okay. okay. Well, just before we leave this subject, though, if on the last day of the season, 
if we if we if we beat West Brom, it would mean Fulham or Brentford going up. Would you want us to lose or draw? Never want us to lose. So, um, yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same like, as well. I was, just, I was just putting it out there that if 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 we lost to West Brom, it would mean Brentford didn't go straight up. To be fair, yeah, I don't know. I'd be I'd be delighted for my mate who's a Brentford fan. He's watched all divisions and he's he's had a horrible year. And I'd be delighted for him, but I don't. I never want us to lose. What about you, Div? I don't want us to lose, but also I wouldn't say I'd be thrilled if Brentford or Fulham went up. And also, if we lost, then the chances of West Brom and Charlie Austin and um, Darnell Furlong going up would be increased. So I'm not saying I want us to lose, but out of the teams in the mix, I would like to see West Brom go up. I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to be it's going to be Leeds and Brentford go up, and and maybe West Brom in the playoffs. But I think I think Brentford are going to next second place. I, think I know West, West Brom won again tonight, so they've got that five point cushion again, and with four points to go. I mean, four games to go. You've been led. That's what I said. Four games to go. You said four points to go. Did I? Okay. Anyway, Middlesbrough. <laughs> Let's talk about the Middlesbrough game. Uh, I thought it was great. Go on then. Middlesbrough was fantastic. Do you know why? Because only we could have a player scoring a worldy goal like that and pull a hamstring at the same time. <laughs> That's the most QPR thing I've ever seen for many a year. Absolutely. And well, Lumley made such a difference coming back as well. Although, did you see Hugo's interview? He said he'd pulled the hamstring earlier in the move and it was basically a Hail Mary. He knew he was going off. He knew he couldn't run. So he just thought, I'll just give it, I'll welly it. I'll give it some welly and then that's it. He knew when he hit it that yeah. that was hit. He was done because he pulled his hamstring a couple of seconds earlier. Maybe. It reminded me, someone else scored a goal like that, didn't they, years ago? Who scored a looping um, one like that years ago? Was it um, Bobby Zamora at West Brom? Oh, mate. Yeah, that was Bobby Zamora's was a little bit better than that, I would say. But... Oh, okay. So go on. But yeah, similar. Mm. I think Alan was going to... I think I, I, I think, was just, yeah. just going to say maybe he needs that level of enthusiasm for uh, future games. But uh... I, I think the thing with Hugo, <laughs> I think he he was getting in, you know, rightfully so, you know, like the first three mm-hmm. games back, being accused of phoning it in, as a, as were um, several of the players and are maybe still, I don't know, but I, I honestly think that he wasn't fit like a load of the players, and and I know we've said all about the uh, the, the lack of experience and seeming this and that. But I do think that, that, that coming back and being more off the pace than the other teams is, is unforgivable, really. And I think Hugo, personally, he had two in two. If he hadn't pulled the hamstring, who knows? He could have scored again tonight. Um, I, I, I think that they were not so much disinterested as, as, as not fit. Because, basically, if we you know, we had stuff to play for. It wasn't like we were languishing in mid... Well, we were, but we, we you know, three wins and we, we were yeah. right up in the mix again. Do you know what I mean? But with, the same, with the same time scale as everyone else, didn't we? I don't understand that. Well, it's t- quite telling that you know that, uh, that there was a big sort of outcry from our club, from Who's and uh, maybe Warburton. I can't remember about you know saying the start date had come too early, and you do wonder whether they knew that the players weren't up for it, and they thought the start date might be later. But it's really you know if we'd have come out the traps flying and picked off where we we'd left off. I mean, who knows where we'd be now? And and we this would be a completely different podcast. And then if you you watch a game like the first Fleetwood-Wickham game, I don't know if any of you saw that. Yeah. I didn't see the second one. But those players, 
had not played anything. Um, that, that was their first game for whatever it was, 14 weeks. And they were all flying out the traps and they looked in really good nick and really good shape. So if a League One team can do that and League One can produce that sort of game after that long a layoff, I, I agree with you. I, I feel like they were making their excuses early when they complained about the season coming back because they were caught short. They were caught, they were caught unawares and hadn't necessarily prepared the players right. Talk about that Wickham game. I was quite disappointed to see um, the, the two lawn players on the, on the bench um, I'd like to see them get more involved in both them games, but there you go. It's, it's life, I suppose. And well done to Gareth Ainsworth. I mean, if it was if it was a, a QPR manager waiting, he's been waiting a long time. But I think we will see Gareth Ainsworth in the QPR dugout again one day because what he's done there. I mean, he, I mean that's mad, isn't it? I mean, to take Wicked, when you think of who's in that league and to take them into the playoffs is, is insane. And the same Jimmy Mackey played well as well. Yeah, good for Jake. I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a two two pronged thing, isn't it? Because you have got um, Mackie on one side and obviously Gareth on the other. But personally, and Smith, it's an easy and Wheeler. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's an easy one, Chris. It's an easy one. Eighty six. That's yeah, all I'm saying. I was just I was just coming <laughs> to that before you kindly interrupted. Yeah, uh, but yes, you've said it now. So. <laughs> Whoopsies. Um, I, th- I think you will see him in the QPR dugout next uh, next season, Finney, but it will be uh, the away yeah. dugout. Yay! <laughs> I'd like to see them. Who, who are we rooting for? Come on, let's be honest. Who are we, I'm, I'm rooting for Wickham. Wickham. Definitely Wickham. Wickham. Definitely yeah, Wickham. Wickham, yeah. Alan? Yeah, Wickham, yeah. By the if, way, if, if, if Jamie Mackey played for any other team, um, you know, I'd be, I might be a bit more split, but... Um, but yeah, eighty six is just. I, I just like to see somebody beat Oxford at Wembley, personally. Not that I'm bitter. Bitter, furious. Dave, I've got a list of teams I hate and reasons why I hate them. Have you ever got two hours per? I will go through them with you one day. Finney, you need to let love into your life a little bit more. Sit down the tape for us, Finney. I'm having a bit of trouble sleeping during lockdown, and that that get me off nicely. I think. I never blamed Oxford. I always blamed Jim Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if they didn't turn up, Alan, we would have won. <laughs> if we'd have turned up, we may have done. <laughs> I think the best... Who, who, David, you remember this because you've got a better Who was it came on the podcast and said that we spent that evening or two days, went into the hotel too early and by the end of it, they were going up and down in the lift drunk the night before the game? Was From it Bernie? 86 or? team. Burn, maybe? <laughs> Bernard Hucker. Or did Rosinia say that? Yeah, yeah. Because I remember, because Faraday sort of obviously had his own memories of sitting watching it because he didn't get playing, obviously. And um, I'd like to know what really happened that day because I also heard that they got a little bit bored and they were pissed up and got them down the left and this, that and the other. But it didn't show in the day, I have to say. (laughs) Um, Just just before we... Sorry, go on, Chris. I was just going to say, just going back to the Middlesbrough game, I was just going to say... What an important that was really um, for Warburton because I think if we'd lost to a Neil Warnock team um, and that had been our fourth defeat on the bounce, I think the knives would have been out for him. And I I think that would have been a shame, but you could see that happen because there are a lot of people on social media, you know, when Warnock um, went there, who would like saying, basically, we missed a trick there. We should have, uh, we should have had him instead. And I can totally, you know, we had Warnock on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he did what a brilliant 
season that was to get us up. And I think there's a lot of people still holding the candle for him, thinking that he should have come back. So I think that was really a, a massive, massive win for Warburton. Uh, the club have long, long since ceased listening, rightfully, to what people what people are complaining about on social media. They use, social media used to complain about a manager for a couple of days in a row, and they used to get sacked based on that. They've stopped doing that, which which is good. The other thing to bear in mind is, well, yeah, I'm sure Neil Warnock would do a good job, but he's well known as being the most expensive manager in the championship. He brings with him an extremely expensive, apparently, backroom team. Good luck to him for doing that because he's very, very good at what he does. But QPR, his whole thing is QPR cutting their cloth accordingly, and I'm not even sure we will win again for the rest of the season, but stop and think for a moment. We've got Araminde Ote up front on his own. He's the only option. He has played five games for us in three years. I think he's played eight or nine or ten championship games. He's a 21-year-old kid, and he's the only option up front. We are down to the bare bones, and we've got a manager and a squad that has got us our best points total for many years. So uh, you, I, I don't see how you can fault the job that's been done this season, even if we don't pick up another point. Mate, you're preaching to the converted. I wasn't saying me. I'm just saying on... I know, I know. In fact, you know... It's a very picky mood today, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to talk about it, Chris? You're very... Yeah, you're very... very I was was merely saying from the... For the point of view of some of the fans who wanted Warlock back, I was thinking myself. In fact, I said that on the group text and Flo... I think Flo's... I've got this here... The key part of my irritation with the situation, situation is I don't want Warburton to be sacked, but I just want things to not be as they currently are. Um, and that was in response to me saying the knives would probably be out. Um, there you go. That's how, that's how I felt. There's no such thing as a, a conversation that won't be out at the podcast when Chris is around, that's for sure. Um, I think she, I'm saying that because I think she made a fair point. That was exactly how, how, how I was Chris. I think, I think, do you know, I'm just, I'm just pleased we got the win because it's, Team, the, the bottom of the table is really bizarre. We need those three points to make it safe, and we can't keep going back and, and and we can't keep bringing this person back and that person back and hoping for the same thing as before would happen. And we've got to give Wolves a couple of seasons. Hiring and firing and second managers is no not helpful to anyone. We've got to give someone a proper go at this because if we don't. We're just going to continue in the same roundabout for many years. So no, we should not sack Wolverton under any circumstances, in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, uh, I would agree with that as well. One of the other things we need to consider is, irrespective of the results, I've walked away from some of the games this year where we've lost, thinking, actually, we played really well. Um, hmm. That hasn't happened for many years. And, yeah. you know, that really is a positive when you can walk away and say, well, yeah, that was good. If, what, what do you guys think, I mean, about Lumley? I think he's come back a much stronger goalkeeper, even in these two games. I'm not getting carried away. To me, as we said in the podcast, me and Chris and David, we've all said it, that he was, he was hard done by by a certain majority of fans. I'm delighted for him to come back, and I think he could solve a problem if people just give him a chance as well, like the manager. These people need backing. I was thinking when during lockdown about this goalkeeping situation and how playing behind closed doors might benefit Lumley because he's a good keeper. Yeah, maybe, maybe. He's a good keeper. And what he's suffered from is having to learn a new system, but on the job and in front of baying fans. Um, 
and actually being able to come back, having sat it out and not having a whole terrace on his back and being able to build up games with confidence could be the making of him. Uh, and we've talked loads about the goalies. I'm not sure either of them are... Neither of them are Alex Smithy's level, I, I, yeah. would, I wouldn't say. But I, I'm really pleased he's back and he's done really well the last couple of games. But if you talk to any anyone who plays at Rangers or not that I do or whatever, but I'm just saying what I read and what I hear, they've got nothing but good stuff to say about Joe. And it's like, you know, it could be a top goalkeeper, could be this, could be that, could be the other. It's very, very strange to be fair, but he's certainly backed by his pros. I think, I think it's his I mean, spot now. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, I, th- I think what the problem is, is, is as a goalkeeper, you make one mistake, there's no place to hide. You're a striker, you can um, you miss one chance, you miss two chances, you can score, your th- which is like Google has done earlier in the season, you score the goal and everyone forgets about the missed chances. You, let it, you make a couple of mistakes and, and you're basically hung out to dry. And I, I, I think what was quite telling, what Warburton said in the um, post-match interview after Middlesbrough, I think it was, that um, when Liam Kelly was obviously having a bit of a mare against Fulham, um, when they had the drinks break, Lumley was the first person to come over, put his arm around his shoulder um, and I know Liam Kelly has been on the podcast a couple of times. Also, seems like a decent bloke. I'm sure he'd do the same thing. But yeah, I, 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 I agree with what you say, David. I think under the without having the cauldron of, uh, of fans uh, picking up on stuff, then he might flourish a bit more and come back stronger next season. And it's, I'll tell you who surprised me as well in his his rules that he's had and like Kaka is kind of the contract things a bit of a worry. Is is Sadipo? He, he he is actually. Looking an option, I don't know what you guys think, but I'm thinking. I'm looking at him, he, he did quite well when he came on tonight, really well. Yeah, you know, and you just wonder, wonder if because we've got massive decisions to make next season, haven't we? I mean, every team has because of the COVID and, and wages, but it'd be good if these kids can push on. You don't know I think, well, I think they've done well in the opportunities they've been given. My question is, I know they're both young, but. They're quite old young players, if that makes sense. I think Kakai's 22, Shadipo's roughly the same age, and we haven't seen them. And we haven't seen them in a period where we have been giving chances to younger players. So that just makes me wonder. I think we're playing them now out of necessity. It just makes me wonder if they are kind of long-term going to make it. Um, but I could be proven wrong, and I think I agree with you. I think they've both done very well in the circumstances the last couple of games. Hmm. You never know, we might win one before the end of the season. Let's not be too downhearted. We might. You know, the season finishes two weeks today. Yeah, that was crazy, isn't it? That's it. <laughs> two weeks today. I haven't heard anything about a new season either. Have you? Has anyone? I was going to say, I wonder how long it's going to... Because you've basically got August is going to be Champions League, Europa League. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. It's going to be like a mini sort of World Cup almost in... August with the Champions League, Europa League, and other bits and bobs. So I imagine they'll they'll have August off uh, for the basically for the pre, for the Premier League. Uh, will they start again in September? I, I don't. Know. I heard October, but the problem is, of course, behind closed doors. I don't think playing behind closed doors is sustainable. It's not really sustainable for the Championship. But I don't think it's sustainable for anything below the Championship at all. Yeah. It will kill um, everything. My suspicion is October as well, but. Um, with with fans, I don't know. Um, I'm not enjoying this. Fans. I'm really not. I hate it. I, 
I love I love I love being there. I love I love the people I've been to. I mean, even bumping into Chris and David's nice sometimes, but bumping into yourself, Alan, is always lovely. And your oh, friends. Wow. It just shows you it do you know what it showed me, and I'll be honest with you, it's more to do with the people that you meet, which I know sounds crap and a bit stupid. And if you're catching up with your pals and stuff and having a, a, a nice day out. The way games are amazing and stuff. But it just shows you what it means to you. I mean, the football, some, Paul Hull always said, we never let 90 minutes ruin a good day out. It's so true, but <laughs> the crack at range. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be horrible this year because we've sent way too many people up the Daphne to look after during lockdown and stuff. And um, especially the current scepter and stuff. It's going to be it's going to be hard when there's so many people that will be missing. But there you go. But yeah, I, I hate this thing, and I want fans back in the ground. So I, I can't watch it in tablets. I can't abuse any away fans or anything. It's shocking. Alan, where, where are you normally um, for for the games? Um, well, South Africa Road um, is, is is where my seat is. Um, I sometimes, if, if I can get there early enough, I'll go up the Springbok, but... Um, Yep. Just meet a few mates there, just that way. But uh, probably not your your uh, place of choice. But um, it, it works for me and my mates. So do you know what I find really weird about Rangers? What do you lot think as well? Do you know when you sit in Elsie Road, it feels like a different ground. I've already mm. sat in the I've sat in the paddocks. Well, stood in the paddocks twice and sat in Elsie twice, and it just seems like a different ground when you do that. As, as I'm, am I just being mm. weird? No, I've, I've, well, you, you are weird anyway. But I've, I mean, I've been in, um, yeah, Paddocks I was in for quite a long time. Paddocks I was there for the Trevor Sinclair goal. So I can date that to 97. I was definitely in the Paddocks then. Um, and, yeah, a bit of South Africa where the loft was first first introduction. But you're right, I've, I've been in Ellerslie Road a handful of times. But it's weird. It's like the north-south London thing, isn't it? it it's quite <laughs> I was in the school end for Simon Barker's testimony against Jamaica. Um, and that there, that was quite that, that oh, was, well, I, I, I would say up until um, probably the mid to late 70s, me and my dad and that, we always used to stand in the school end. And, um, you know, that was, our, that was our place of choice, irrespective of who was playing. <laughs> I've tra- never watched a game in the school end, but I have in all the others. And yes, I agree with you, Philly. It's very weird when you're taken out of your mm. kind of normal habitat and you sort of can't wait to get back there. Yeah. And I can't wait. I'm sure everyone in G-Plug must be missing me like crazy. I'm missing you, Vinny. That's for That'd sure. That would be silly. Um, R's End. Um, let's let's uh, move on to R's End, which is... I don't know if we've done this, actually, for a while, um, but sort of anything that we haven't mentioned, really. Uh, I said I would give a shout-out for someone doing a charity cycle ride. Um so I'm going to do that. Um, uh, so uh, a guy that uh, I work with actually called Nick Russell is cycling 130 miles around London on the 1st of August, but he's visiting the stadiums of all 21 football clubs. Um, Kyan Prince Foundation Stadium is the midpoint of the route and is the 11th stadium they stop at. They're raising funds for Mind Shelter, Children with Cancer um, and a couple of other charities besides. And if you want to donate, search London Football Stadiums on Just Giving. That is my only contribution to the R's end. Brilliant. I didn't know there were. Is that 21 stadiums in what? League? Obviously not just the Football League, or, or is it the Football League? 21 football clubs in the Football League. Is it? Name them. 
Well, I mean, the ones because Watford's always a sticking point because that's sort of in Hertfordshire. Do you, do you count that? I'm know. going to whilst you do your R's end, I'm not going to look it up on the internet, and I'm going to try and list the 21 football clubs in the football league Hang in on. London. Oh, okay. football league Go. in London, 21. Go. No, do do your R's end, and I'm going to try doing it. Now. Okay. Well, I'll I'll, I'll do mine. Um, <clears throat> Well, first of all, no one's mentioned the training ground, so I, I've very briefly mentioned that. Um, I was going to mention it. Hey, okay. Well, I'll, I'll mention it briefly, and then you can properly mention. No, you don't it. make it fine. I was just going to say, is it, is it Heston. Um, so I'm going to make the obvious gag. Would have been better suited to Charlton. Um, uh, and and uh, just just one word from Brian McCarthy. Sorry, Brian McCarthy on Left for Words, who's a Left for Words legend, said. I'd just like to take a moment to thank Save Warren Farm for ensuring that we now have a freehold and sole ownership of our own training ground and academy. Brilliant. Brilliant from Brian. And the other R's end is just anyone who doesn't follow Jack Supple, Jack Supple's stats. Um, he does the Opta stuff, but he's a QPR fan. And I've just picked out a couple here. Um, so Hugh Gill is the only, only the fourth player to score home and away v Fulham. Guess the other three. They're all QPR legends. Zamora. Zamora. Adele. Adele is one. You have to go a little bit get back to the 80s for the second one. He's a striker. Clive Allen? No. First and last name of the same initial. That doesn't work with me. Okay. Um, Allen? You're give, give, me the, give, me, give me the year. Uh, oh God! I don't know what year it was. I'm not. I, he has read that. Initials are SS. Oh, Steinrod. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one is probably the greatest player of all time. Dumbles. Yeah. And I didn't just say QPR. <laughs> I mean the greatest player of all time. Um, his other stats: uh, no Championship defender is created. This is all before today's game. Ryan no Manning. Ch- yes, has created more chances. <laughs> Sixty-eight will provide more assists than this season by Manning. Osman Kakai has won the ball back more times than any of the other QPR player in the last two games. And QPR have won seven away league games in a single season for the first time since 2013 to 14. So there you go. That's pretty damn amazing. Not tonight. But yeah, well worth a follow. Alan? No, I don't think I've got anything to add to that. (laughs) Come on, man. No, I don't know. I can give you a story about the Springbok, actually. So the first time I ever went there, um, the BBC were filming a documentary called Born Kicking. And it was about a ladies' football team called the Swifts, I think. And um, I was outside waiting for my mate Colin. And um, about two weeks later, people came up to me at work saying, oh, I saw you on the telly last night. And I had a full 30 seconds of me drinking a beer, full head, whatever, outside the uh, outside the pub and um, bloke who ran our local corner shop he was a jobbing actor said he said i didn't know you were an actor you know and um i didn't get paid for it so obviously i didn't need to be in equity he was absolutely furious so 30 <laughs> seconds full screen on the telly <laughs> brilliant well done i actually watched that program <laughs> because we went through a phase it was born kicking boys in the bush yeah uh we've been the sweeney and there's been a few, I think, we've been in. I can't remember some other ones, but yeah, because they did it. They did it a bit at the half time, didn't they? When they were shut. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Towards the loft. Yeah, I remember that. Mm. Yeah, okay, that's that's a good story, that. Yeah. Is it my turn? Go on. 
Right, I've got three very quick ones. Well, <laughs> and one very serious one. Right, two quick ones is, can I just thank Alan and people like you who are the patrons of this podcast who help keep it running. Without you, we would be trying to, to break... Well, we'd be, we'd be like Steve Stade. We'd have, we'd have something, but we'd also have nothing. So thank you. You've been people like you are brilliant for what you do for this podcast, and long may that continue. And um, thanks for coming on. The second point is a training ground. I think it's the first time we've had our own training ground in God knows. And then, I mean, there was there was there was Triford Avenue, which is pretty dodgy. Whether we owned it or not, because when we came out of administration, we didn't have. We went in with more more assets than we came out with. That's for sure. So Chris Wright kind of done us in that one a little bit, despite what Holloway says. But there you go. Um, Thirdly, and sadly, I lost a friend last week called Mark Thornhill. He didn't pull through. We were really, really hoping he would. I met Mark in the 90s. We travelled. God, we travelled everywhere together um, and QPR. And like everything in life, you kind of lose way and lose paths and things happen and you kind of lose. And I got this, you know, um, I had this feeling the form. I heard he was having a bad time. I won't go into it because it's way personal and it's for his brother and his family to talk about. But he wasn't having a good time. And I phoned him up and I don't know why I phoned him up. I just phoned him up. And I said, like, hey, are you been You're right. And he, he told me what had happened in a horrible time. And it's really sad because he went to QPR. He couldn't afford to go in. So he, he, he sat outside and just listened to the atmosphere. So if anyone's ever in that position, contact people you know, contact other QPR fans that you know, do never, ever, ever, ever think that no one in this family will not look after you. We will get you in. Let us know. No one should be standing outside um, and missing out in this, in this football club. And I feel really bad. I feel pleased I made the phone call to Mark. I feel that, you know, it's 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 sad because these people are a lost generation. You know, you, you go to football with someone for years and they're no longer there. And it's bloody horrible. And um, I think Saturday is, is the story. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Yeah. The story I'm trying to tell was that Mark's brother, Mark passed away on Friday. Mark's brother went to QPR on Sunday because he thought it was the right thing to do. And it was the right thing to do. And he was just standing around looking lost. And someone came up to him and said, oh, and he explained what happened. And the guy called Paul, I think, is the operations manager or something, let him into the ground. So he sat in the loft where him and his brother stood for all them years, all their memories. And then we went to beat Middlesbrough. And that was for Mark. And I think... There's nothing more beautiful than that story that sums up our football club, win, lose, or draw. And um, God, Mark, I'm going to miss you. And we've got to stop sending people to Daphne. She's just got too many. Fantastic story. Great story. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well said. Yeah. Um, okay. I think that's it, isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. And um, predictions for Saturday? I don't even know we're playing. I don't even know what day we're playing, what time. Oh, Chris, you never feel to surprise me. You never know what's going on, mate. Lockdown hasn't been for you, has it? It hasn't. And, you know, I, I, I'm just not I'm not one for watching QPR on the telly. I never have been. And I, 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 I much prefer it when you've got a few thousand other people who are feeling the same as you and you can look around and do you know what I mean? Trust yep. me, you've got a few thousand other people that are feeling the same as you. Yeah, but you can't see them. Sheffield Wednesday. We're playing Sheffield Wednesday on Saturday. Woohoo! Yeah. Luongo. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> One nil. Who'd say you've been lit? 
1-0 to the team that plays in blue and white. Hey. Is this David <laughs> trying to be funny again? Yeah, I believe so. I, I will never back, I will never say we'll lose. So Kennedy, one, 1-0 Ote. <laughs> 1-0 Ote. By the, way, I, by the way, I've got 17 teams and I reread the writing and it said 21 teams around London. Uh, okay. so I've included the likes of Luton in it and um, Watford. Uh, yeah, Reading. Yeah. So I've managed to get 17. Brilliant. Okay. Um, you've got Steve Leeds as well, and you're going to have you're going to have Steve Leeds, which you include. I got Older Steve Leeds. Oh, yeah, Older I've Sh- included Dagenham and Barnet in my list. I know they're not in the league. <laughs> well, you're right, your predictions. Come on, right? I've got, I've got. Um, yeah, well, busy, man. I've got I've got box sets to watch, so let's let's uh, <laughs> let's finish this well, up. I, I'm with you, David. I really hope Ote Ote scores because I I, I wasn't being horrible about him at all. I, I just haven't really seen much there. Um, was it Leeds he scored against Leeds? Am I imagining that? Um, was that the penalty? Yeah, no, I can't remember now. But I haven't really seen that much. That, that suggests he's going to be a long-term long-term pres- prospect for us. So I really hope he proves me wrong and bangs in a couple of decent goals against Wednesday. And that's all you can do. Alan? Um, I'm going to skip forward to Luton and I'd like 2-1, please. <laughs> Finney? You know what? Renegade. Do you know what? Luton, I, I, I want to send them down so badly. Another one that would take up a whole podcast of reasons to hit Luton Town Football Club. So, yes, Alan, I'm with you. I want to do 6-0, get Paul Parker back so he can score again, <laughs> just to set him down. And it was brilliant that time we sent him down. I freaking enjoyed that. I hate them so much. But, yes, I think we'll draw two on Wednesday and we'll beat Luton 4-0. Very good. Um, thank you all. Sorry, it wasn't too bad in the end, coming straight on, straight after a game. I kind of liked it. And Alan, Alan's been the star of the show and he's been brilliant. And Chris... Is always going to be Chris. This has been Open All Ours. Thank you for listening. See you next time. UPR. UPR. Chris Rangers.